Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This is the Badass Women's Hour live in partnership with the W Hotel. Hello, hello and welcome. Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour live at the W Hotel London. Um, I'm Harriet Minter, I'm your host for tonight and we've got an amazing panel talking about women in sport. That is our topic for today. Um, If you haven't been to one of these before, we do love a bit of audience interaction. We love it when you have questions and views and opinions, so do feel free to throw them in but we'll also have Q&A at the end, just so you know it's coming up. Um, we do record this for a podcast, so you have been warned, you know, <laughs> we like to know who you are, so say your name, but probably nothing that's going to get you fired afterwards. Um, but opinions are good, so feel free to share them. Uh, this month, we are looking at the topic of women in sport, um, which I actually am more excited about than I would have been about two years ago because of the campaign that one of the women on this panel actually did. We're going to talk a little bit about that in a minute. So I'm going to let our panel introduce themselves first. If you don't know, Badass Women's Hour is actually a radio show every week on talk radio. And we also have a podcast that you can download. And it's hosted by myself and these two brilliant women at the end. So Emma, do you want to tell us who you are? Yes. Hi, I'm Emma Sexton, uh, one third of the Badass Women's Hour. I'm the founder of Make Your Words Work, a design agency and the co-founder of Flop, which is a global network for entrepreneurs. I'm Natalie Campbell. Um, I'm on sabbatical from a very good company, partly because I would walk into meetings and basically just want to bang my head against the table. Um, so I'm doing lots of weird and wonderful things at the moment. Hi, I'm Kate Dale, and I've been running a campaign called This Girl Can over the last two, three years, I think now, which is to get more women and girls enjoying sport, taking part, being active, whether they're brilliant at it or, like me, a bit rubbish, but still getting out there doing it. Hi, my name's Alison Curvin. I'm the sports editor of the Mail on Sunday newspaper. Um, I'm the only female sports editor of a newspaper anywhere in the world, alarmingly. It's still kind of all very new. Um, I'm also a writer and novelist. I'm Kate Richardson-Walsh, recently retired GB and England hockey player. I'm getting used to saying that now. Um, And I was part of the GB team that won the gold medal in Rio last year. So great, great group tonight. Um, as ever, if you want to kind of tell people that you're here and what we're saying, you can always use the hashtag BAWH or hashtag what she said. They're both up there. Um, and if you are too shy and you want to tweet a question but you don't want to say it out loud, we'll keep an eye out for it as well, just so you know. Um, so we always kick off with what has been grabbing our panel's eye in the news in recent weeks. And I think, Kate, you are going to start for us, aren't you? 
Yeah, I wanted to talk about Wonder Woman just because she is the epitome of badass, I think, the way she's been reimagined. Um, and I have to confess, I'm talking about a film I haven't seen yet, but I am seeing this week. But two things. First of all, from the trailers, from what I've seen in the talk about it, A, the fact that a female director has developed an action comic action uh, film and it's beaten box office records for female directors is just fantastic it shows women um not in some sort of stereotype sci-fi comic action comic unrealistic thing but women of shapes and all shapes and sizes being strong and having attitude but also um i'm sure you've seen the story about um, in austin texas i think it was at first they wanted to do one one female only screening and the kickoff there was about that for men in texas who felt well, how dare you? This is one show. This probably, I'm fairly certain they're showing they weren't even going to go to in the first place, but suddenly being told that they weren't allowed to go to it. And just what sense of entitlement do you have <laughs> that you feel that you have entitled to go absolutely everywhere? It's not like we weren't saying that they could never see it. It was just that one show. And it just really struck me. It's a really good example of, I guess, entitlement and privilege. So what I think is really interesting about the story is it raises the question of can we have X-only spaces, right? Can we have female-only spaces? Can we have male-only spaces? Can we have, you know, spaces for people of certain colour? You know, all this type of thing. And I found it really interesting, exactly your point, which was that I don't think they were going to go and see it in the first place, were they? (laughs) (laughs) They've been really put off about it. Um, Kate, you obviously trained in basically, you, you said about the kind of women's hockey team, nothing, everything went because you spent so much time together did it feel like, obviously you have male coaches, but did it feel like quite, was it too much female time or did you quite like it? Um, I think we made sure there was a balance. I think, it's, I don't know if it's a gender thing or if it's just too much time together. Mm-hmm. I think if you spend too much time with the same group of people, you can all become a bit <laughs> crazy. And we were absolutely crazy. We're, I'll embrace that fact. But we, you do need that balance and, and time away from each other. But I think the that separate space, I was thinking about gyms. When I was younger, I remember going to a gym and there was a women's only section. And I'm quite sure that lots of those women in there wouldn't have gone to the gym had it been an open section. And there was an open section that everyone could have gone in. But I think that's another thing, that kind of separate space, should you have it, shouldn't you? Yeah. Also, I, don't, I saw the film, Natalie and I went and saw it on Friday, you saw it on Friday. For me, like I just don't think these guys understand the effects yeah. That film had such an emotional effect on me. I mean, I don't know. Some people here might have seen it. There were certainly some scenes towards the end. Anyone? Everyone's seen it. There was certainly the one man in the room. Ladies, you're being shown up. (laughs) But the the opening, the opening, like first fifteen minutes of that film, I have never ever seen women portrayed in that way in a film. And it was really moving to watch and really phenomenal. And also, like, thank goodness finally like we've got here so i think these guys just do not recognize that for us okay so quick audience poll who here hasn't seen it because you just like words you like it's another movie oh or who okay who here hasn't seen it because you just haven't seen it but it's on it's on the cards based on what people are saying okay most people okay so I'm going to be I, the voice of dissent here. <laughs> we had a big discussion yeah. after the film. I was in the movie yeah. with Em like, Oh my God! <laughs> <laughs> Why did she go to the baby? Um, <laughs> literally. And it was You're a small screening room like this, yeah. so you can imagine. Uh, so all I'm going to say is, when you go and see it, I don't want to give away any spoilers, Assessing your mind whether or not maybe they've tried to make us think we have something that we possibly don't. So calculate how much time men actually have in the movie. And I'm a, so, and I'm a DC, I'm a comic book action person. 
So, and think about how, what they do in other movies. And you'll notice they give her time, then they jump to a man when they don't need to. She gets some time and then they jump to a man <laughs> because almost her story cannot be complete without constantly jumping to a man. So I'm so going to leave that with, with that. I know, H was like, oh, I thought it was lovely. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it and I'm not an action fan and I really enjoyed it. And the thing that I really enjoyed about it was it is a film that they went, who is, who is probably going to go and see this movie? Given that it is a DC Comics movie, the chances are the majority of people who go and see that are 14-year-old boys. So they have to cater for the 14-year-old boys. But the reality is that I, I have never seen a film which portrayed women as really, like, physically strong. Right. When you say women, are there more? Oh. Is it more than one woman? Yeah. Then? Yeah. So she starts no. off on this amazing no. island where I was like, only one woman at the beginning. At the beginning, she starts off on an island no. of yeah. Amazon. Exactly. That's what I mean. They're not. Don't <laughs> let them fool you into thinking they're giving us something. <laughs> the beginning of the movie. If that was the whole movie, yeah. again, you haven't seen the beginning of the movie. If that was the whole thing, yeah. I would have been. This is the best thing ever. It's only the beginning. <laughs> the rest of the movie, there oh. are three women. For the whole movie, there are three women. But one of those women, so there is a secretary, which I was a bit like, okay, it's set in the 1940s, I'll let you have it, but I'm not happy. Um, but one of them is obviously Wonder Woman, and the third one is the, is the villain. And I love that. Like, mm. the villain. Yeah. Mm. And that's great, because Wonder Women really get to be the villain very rarely. Not often. No, not unless they're being... Not, not unless they're having... And not unless they're using their sexual power in, for evil, which yeah. I only do on a Thursday. But <laughs> 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 they're showing different bodies. Yeah, yeah. I don't think is out there that often. The kind of muscular, strong, athletic figure. I think we want to see... The this girl can thing was so good because it was mm -hmm. all women yeah, of all kinds, yeah, all yeah. shapes, all sizes, and that's great. What's great about it? So we need that in our media as well. Yeah, for sure. I agree. Different. Just it was just a great to see a different type of woman. Mm. Yeah. Alison, what has been grabbing your attention? Well, the story that I that stood out to me as a woman in the media was the story a few weeks ago. You probably all saw where David Moyes had done an interview with um, Vicky Sparks of Five Live. And she'd asked him a lot of difficult questions and he'd struggled to answer them. And so afterwards, as, as the, the tape was still running, but the interview was over, he said, um, oh, you, you're very naughty to ask questions like that. I'll slap you if you do it again. And it became a huge, big story. And he was, you know, in trouble with the FA and everything. And I think the whole slap thing is one side of it. But for me, what really resonated was that he was angry because he, she'd asked him difficult questions because she'd been good. And I think the thing that I always find most frustrating um, as a sports journalist is that people are always amazed that you know what you're talking about. Every, and throughout my career, everything I've done, people have said, oh, she won't be able to do that. And you do it and they go, oh, well done, well done, all credit to you. And you go, well, I'm, now I want to try and be the rugby editor of the Times. Oh, you won't do that. And then she did it, well done, that's amazing. Are you always going to be surprised about everything I do? Um, so it's that kind of people just not believing that you can do it. And there's a, there's a, there's a story that I really want to share with you where um, with a good positive happy ending <laughs> where I was uh, I was at this rugby club bar and I'd written I wrote Jason Leonard's book Jason Leonard was for, former prop uh, played for England most cap England player ever then became president of the rugby football union and back then I hadn't done his book that long ago and I was standing at the bar waiting and there were two men at the bar clearly been drinking all day arguing over when Jason Leonard won his first cap 
and one of them was saying it was definitely 1991 the other one was saying 1992 and they were really angry with each other you know they were they're like they were going to fight about this and I thought and I knew it was 1990 <laughs> so I thought what I'll do is I'll tell them then they, will, they won't have to have their fight because they'll know so I said excuse me sorry I couldn't help in, uh, overhearing you it was actually 1990 and they looked at me and went how, how the hell would you know went straight back to their fighting what I do when I so I thought okay so I said, um, I said, no, it's, honestly, it is, it's 1990. You don't need to fight about this. And both of them said, girls don't know about rugby. I said, no, it's 1990. And, they, and this guy turned to me and went, no, it's not. I know. I read his book. And I, looked, I, I wrote his book. <laughs> A glorious moment. Like, so, uh, but I think that the reason I mention that story is because you are always, I think it's one of the things... I'm sure men get it as well, but particularly for women, and particularly for women in sport, people just don't believe you can do it. So you're always having to prove them from a standing start. You never kind of get given any leeway. Yeah. It's always you have to prove everything. Have you ever been in that situation where you had a sportsman sort of either trying to deliberately put you down or kind of pat you on the head? or Yeah. Um, and how do you deal with it? Well, what, what I've always found is that um, perhaps when I was younger, you'd go to events and things and you'd be sort of standing on the touchlines with your notebook making notes and the people who would come over and criticise would be the sort of the, you know the bores from the bar the guys in the big blazers and the ties and they come over and they go oh, do you really know what you're doing but when it came to it people like Martin Johnson the England rugby captain or Johnny Wilkinson and all these guys the really the top of their game guys would just judge you on how good you were and I, I became very good friends with Martin Johnson I went to his wedding I know his wife really well we you know I'm a he, he liked me because he thought I did a good job. Didn't really care whether I was male, female, pink, purple, blue. And the guys at the top have been all the way through sport like that. But I think it's just a bit lower down when you, you perhaps you're more of a threat to them. They don't really want you in their little world. But I just ignore it. I mean, I just ignore it and sidestep it. Just don't. Just completely ignore it. Yeah, it's been, sorry, it's been a clash of world to me. So it's now finishing my career I've been going into a lot of corporate companies and, and doing talks about team culture and leadership and diversity and things like that mm. and when you finish they're like actually you were really good and then we had a sponsor a big corporate sponsor I won't I'll, I'll leave them unnamed um, and we had a sponsor's dinner and it's one of those moments I wish I could go back and slap myself around the face because throughout the dinner he kept tapping me on the head the MD of his company and I was like Honestly, like a pet dog. And I, in my head, I was like, okay, just suck it up for an hour and a half because, you know, he's a big sponsor and hopefully he can help with the team and he can give them money. And yes. just sitting there going, this is not okay. And I hate conflict. And at the time, just I just sat there and just took it. And now I just yeah. wish, yeah, it's just that. I think it's, it's the, I'm not used to that. I'm used to being, you know, strong and confident. And you mm. kind of cross those uh, two entities over and it's like, you're. I feel like a, a nothing again sometimes. It is. It's horrible. Hard. It can be very yeah. demeaning and you have to stay very confident yeah. and very sort of positive yeah. in the face of people just assuming you can't do anything. Yeah. What do you think is um, the culture like around sexual harassment? Because I was thinking about the tennis player from the French Open mm. who grabbed the reporter and tried to kind of kiss her and he was then, he was kind of celebrating was being, and, yeah. Yeah. and she was like, no, that was way too much, way too many hands. Yeah. Does everyone know this story? Yeah. yeah. So um, just for those of you who didn't say... Um, tennis players, I can't remember, from the male singles tennis player from the French Open, uh, celebrating a win mm -hmm. and grabbed a reporter from, I think it was Five Live, I think it was, um, and basically put his arm around her and gave her a big kiss on the cheek and she was kind of like, mm, yeah, okay, mate, and pushed him away. And he grabbed her again and kept trying to kiss her again and again and again and to the point where he had basically his arm around her neck. 
and the whole thing was very awkward and really uncomfortable and she kept being like no we're doing the interview we're doing the interview um and at the end of it the organizer the french open said no you're out and they chucked him out of the tournament and there was a big mm-hmm. uproar as to whether or not he should have been chucked out didn't it kate what do you think it absolutely should have been chucked out it's yeah. it's unacceptable behavior to ask somebody when they've clearly said no i don't want to do it and it permeates every single level we did and the last week's level the community support level that i'm involved in we did a, did a post on our facebook page for this girl can um a couple of weeks ago from a woman who'd been had abuse shouted at her um when she'd been out running and i bet anyone in this room who's been running has had stuff shouted mm-hmm. at her i don't know anybody yeah. who hasn't we just kind of on a good day, you take it on the chin. Um, but she said, okay, it's not my confidence. What did I What do? I do? In three days, we had 2,000 comments, giving A advice, B sharing stories. And it's just, it is so endemic throughout all aspects of sport that I think we almost take it for granted now. We almost accept it. And I think that's what we have to stop. Yeah. We have to start pushing back. It's interesting you say that. Um, I was reading an autobiography of um, Jen Benoy, the um, marathon runner yeah. that won the Olympic medal back in 1984 when marathons first came into the Olympics for women. She was the first female marathon runner winner. And she talked about her training. She said she'd go out really early in the morning so no one would see her. And if a car came past, she'd stop and pretend to be looking at the flowers because it would be really weird to be running and she'd just get all this abuse. And there, I mean, there is a change, isn't there? Nowadays, you'd be odder to be looking at the flowers than just running. <laughs> but um, but it, it's remarkable. And only sort of not that long, you know, within our lifetimes, mm. someone was so ashamed of running, a marathon runner. But on the side, we see articles. So I, I think it was a really funny article on the pool, maybe, where one, or maybe it was middle, where they they were talking about um, the fact that if they're going running and, and based on how they look, if someone gives them a bit of a wolf whistle or a you know you look all right, that she's like, oh okay, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Haven't had anyone look at me for a few years, and it is that I live in 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 northwest London, and if a guy, if a hot guy says, hey, you know, I'm like. <laughs> So when we were talking about this before, it's intent. And if I don't feel threatened by something like that, I perceive it in a different way. And I think we equally need to talk about the fact that sometimes you react to certain things in in one way. But fundamentally, people feeling harassed and um, if someone says no and someone still persists, it's completely wrong. But understanding that there might be occasions where you respond differently. No, so I'm just throwing that out there. I'm saying no. I'm just saying as a general rule, don't whistle at anyone, right? Unless they're clearly giving you a very serious eye. And like, by very serious, I mean... (laughs) 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 Very serious eye. Like, yeah, I don't need it. I'm out running. I don't... And this, the other thing, which is I don't need your approval to run. Absolutely. I do not need your approval. Because, I mean, you've had this, haven't you? Yeah, I have it a lot. And I deliberately, when I go running, and actually I was talking to Miranda. Miranda's got a running blog. And we were talking today about... um, the abuse that you get as a female runner and like I don't have the best gym kit I literally sling on stuff I am not I'm not trying to win any style awards like some of these (laughs) girls are and I deliberately dress to try and hide myself because I get serious abuse in my local area I get guy and I know that they are harassing me because I do not look hot if I looked hot (laughs) and they were cheering I might be a bit more like yeah hi (laughs) but I'm no like it's harassment and it's awful yeah so H told off some guys on Friday. Oh my god, yeah. I did not see what happened, by the way. And H went I went (laughs) H. So um basically we were in a office. We won't name the office. We're in an office which is quite a male dominated office. And we were walking three of us are walking up some stairs and 
these guys were standing at the bottom of the stairs chatting away and this guy looked at Nat as she was walking up the stairs and as she walked up to him he looked at her face and his eyes went straight to her boobs and then down straight back to her boobs and then she went up the stairs and he literally went and just followed her ass up the stairs and for me I was like I don't care if that's appreciation I don't care if he doesn't know he's doing it you are in a workplace environment. You don't know what's gone on in your life. You don't know how somebody's going to feel about that. You are making this workplace feel unsafe. Back off. And so I said to him, I was like, mate, what are you doing? Put it away, right? Like, put the eyes away. Eyes off. He was so transfixed, he didn't even hear me. He was just like, uh, and I just, like, that for me, I'm like, no, come on. You're at work. Pull yourself together. But my response was, oh, that's the most action I've had for a very long time. And Hitch was like, no, no, you will not believe that. But again, I didn't see it. I don't, even if I did see it, I wouldn't, okay. I don't know if I would have, I would have felt objected, object, objectified by it. And I think that's the thing. There is always, there's a, there's a, a balance. And I think, no, that was predatory. Yeah, I did not Definitely see it. it. So, yeah. 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 Uh, okay. so my general rule, don't do it. Men, women, don't do it. Unless you're in a bar and everyone's having a nice time, okay? <laughs> okay, what's your story? Yeah, so my story is um, Jasmine Sawyers, uh, GB long jumper. She was a finalist uh, last year in Rio. Uh, amazing, incredible athlete, and also has been on The Voice. Um, just generally amazing. I mean, she, I all the, oh, she can sing and she can jump and she's, <laughs> she's got everything. She's wonderful. Um, and she um, posted a tweet, I think this week, um, it was over the weekend, she missed um, a meet, an athletics meet, because of her period. It fell on, on her menstrual cycle and she really struggles. Um, she, has, she has dizzy spells, she feels faint, she has really bad cramps, um, just generally feels drained and, and really awful. And she put a really nice uh, message out on Twitter and put it out there into the world, which is pretty brave because it's still quite taboo. And, and it just really opened a really great conversation. I obviously follow lots of athletes across lots of different sports and l lots of them are retweeting it and liking it because they've been there, they understand it, they, you know, they have experienced it themselves. So why do you think is it still so taboo in sport to talk about it? Well, we talked about this earlier. In the hockey team, nothing is taboo. <laughs> we talk about everything. Um, and we actually tracked our menstrual cycle with our strength and conditioning coach because it actually does have a physical effect on your body. So your ligaments and tendons are more lax. Um, some, and it depends each person's difference. We also had testosterone uh, tests taken, again, through the cycle to know what happens to our hormone levels. Um, and then, so maybe one of the girls wouldn't have to lift too heavy weights on day one or just the day before day one of her cycle because she could get more, uh, she could get injured. So it, it really has that effect, but then it also has, you know, some people it's two days, nothing, absolutely fine. For others, it's five days and it's, it's five days of torture, you know, mental, physical, really debilitating. I think it's just important that we just talk about it and, and share and understand and, and work with it. Don't you think that generally, even out of sport, periods are just absolutely taboo as a subject. Oh, yeah. A friend of mine was <coughs> driving home, um, dri breaking the speed limit, and the police officer pulled her over. And the reason she'd been driving home was because she was worried that she was just getting... And yeah. she said to him, oh, I'm so sorry, but I thought my period was going... Whoa, go! Go, 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 go! <laughs> so try that, OK? <laughs> but he just didn't He just didn't want... I don't want to know yeah. anymore, just go. Because it was just so scary and otherworldly to him, I suppose. Yeah. 
Do you, are we getting better at it though? Like, are we, I think the apps are helping. Like, we've talked about it on the show before, and Natalie, like, you can roll your eyes. But like, I, we've got, I've been tracking mine, and I'm now starting to go. Actually, I'm not going to book stuff in on certain days or certain weeks because. I am going to be shattered that week and it's going to be really hard work. So why don't I just play this to my advantage? But you're like, no. Right. When it comes to sport, <laughs> it, physically, it's just completely different. Your core shot, you know, yeah. But the conversation we were having, you know, do you do you not put something in the diary? And I'm of the mind that my nana would slap me in the face <laughs> if, he was here. if I said, I'm not going to do this thing today because I'm on my period. She'd be like, well, wh when I had six kids and I had to go <laughs> shopping and get on a bus and yeah. stuff, I didn't have to think, you know, that wasn't even a consideration to get your ass out of the house. So I struggle between that sort of way of thinking and possibly how I'm feeling and at the moment I'm in a slap some lipstick on get yourself out and when you get home you can sit on the sofa with kettle chips and if that works for you I was wondering if part of it as well in sport and in all sorts of um, places is we've spent so many years trying to say no we're um, just as good as men I find it hard to say that but you know we're just as good and it doesn't make a difference we're not women that actually don't say oh actually for some of us one week and four or two days in a month or whatever then we will be different and our bodies go through this thing and it feels like we don't want to admit that weakness which is part of being um female or certainly part of being a cis female um and that it's quite conflicting to ad admit the fact that i'm even using the word admit mm -hmm. yeah, speaks yeah, volumes, yeah, but, yeah, doesn't it yeah. We don't have the language, I think, to talk yeah. about it yet. It's still yeah. something where you're thinking, is, is that the right thing to say or is it, is it this? Or, and, and, how, and how do I explain it? And it's easy to do it in this environment because it's a safe space. But if there were men in here, we'd be, even, we'd be thinking about it even more. <laughs> well, sorry, sorry. <laughs> I mean, you offended all the men in the room. <laughs> you know, if there, if, if there were more men, if it, was, if, there, if it was predominantly men in this room, I think we'd respond and, and, and talk in a different way. Because um, on the This Girl Can campaign, Kate, like you really went out of your way mm -hmm. to kind of show women not looking together, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Like yeah. looking a bit messy, looking a bit all over the place. Looking how they usually look looking when they're at yeah. the gym. Yeah, we it's, put yeah. celluloid, celluloid, celluloid <laughs> yeah. on the celluloid, yeah. We is this to. just like the next step on from that? Is this what we should be taking This Girl Can 2.0? That's a challenge for me to take back, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I would love to. And I loved, and I can't remember which Sanfo product it was now, which is terrible, but they did their uh, bleeding like campaign. Um, no. Oh, body form. Body form. And yes. they showed uh, bleeding toes, bleeding muscles, yeah. bleeding everything. And they talked about blood being just a normal part of life, which it is. And we see blood. You know, like Catelyn Mann talks about this in films, actually, is yeah. how many gallons of blood you've seen mm -hmm. by the time you get to our age, but you've seen no menstrual blood whatsoever. Mm -hmm. So absolutely, it's just... It's just stuff, isn't it? That's all it is. So, yeah, maybe we should be doing that. I spoke to the ad campaign that did the body form. I went to do a talk and they were and they were going to say the next step for them is to show menstrual blood in their advert, which yeah. I was like, Ooh, that's Ooh. a big old step. <laughs> <laughs> Are you saying it's not blue? <laughs> <laughs> it comes in a jar and you put it uh, yeah, so that was so the yeah they're, yeah they're hope they're thinking about going there. So because um, always did run like a girl yeah. as well yeah. um, in the US, which I think was um, I'll throw like a girl, yeah. you know, show me what it's like to be a girl. And I think that's it's great that these big ad companies and marketing companies get involved and, and use sport yeah. and athletic women and talk about periods in that way. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so we talked about the need for kind of stories in sport <laughs> and how people engage with stories in real life. Yeah. You know, understanding people and relating to them. Yeah. Do you think is this maybe potentially why women don't have don't maybe get the same kind of devotion or representation because yeah. they've had to pretend to be the guys and they need to talk about being women? 
Yeah, there is that. And the, 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 we were talking earlier about the kind of the lack of women's sport in newspapers today. And the thing that engages people in sport is not the fact that he's kicking a ball or he's, you know, hitting a hockey ball or whatever. It's about the stories around it. It's about, is, is, is this player going to be fit? Is my team going to win the league? Is this going, you know, it's this emotional connection to sport that really drives people to seek out all this information. So you know, everyone's wondering now what's going to happen to Wayne Rooney? Will he play again? Where he's going to go off to China? Because he, he matters to people who like sport because he's been involved in it and every week they're out playing but a lot of the women's sport that we that are covered they we talk about the olympics and and at wimbledon it's all covered these are kind of one-off big events and during the olympics there's half and half in terms of the coverage men and women but that routine the narrative that drives through the season that really engages people and makes them wonder day after day what's happening is a very male narrative mm-hmm. um and that's because of the predominance of football i think because yeah. because the national sports you know mm-hmm. are male dominated and that's that's going to take years and generations to change it's changed a lot but it's for it to grow organically it's going to just take a long time but things like this make huge difference yeah i was explaining earlier i I have to go into editors conference every morning and there's the politics editor the home editor the city editor you know all blokes of course and me um and i start talking about the sport and by and large people aren't all that interested it's been such an exciting year for politics everything that's happened this year really engages them and i start wittering on about the Manchester City back three or whatever and you can see them sort of switching off mm-hmm. but every so often there's a story that I'll mention or there's a story in the air and when, and when that comes up everyone's interested and when Leicester were going for the title I walk into conference and I go are they going to do it are they going to do it and you knew you'd kind of crossed over you know when things cross over from sport and become mainstream and it was exactly the same with the hockey that happened on a Friday night we go to press on Saturday and they were waiting for me to come in <laughs> and that you know where, where did they go afterwards what did they do and I'm like, I don't know <laughs> <laughs> I make some calls by telling them I imagine they're still out I don't know <laughs> they'll never come back in here I'm sure, you know but, they, but there was a real interest in them and and that but that doesn't happen that's kind of I can name three or four things that cross over like that but the football weaves in and out of every day and every week and people's thoughts and people feel passionately about clubs which women's sport by and large doesn't have just yet. Hey, so, yeah. It makes me laugh when people say, oh, women's football, people, men, say women's football, it's just not a skilled. And I'm like, well, A, let's park the fact that that's not necessarily true. I'm a Carlisle United supporter, and I know that when a lot, a lot of those people are going, what's Carlisle United? They're never going to be able to go home after this again. Um, it's not because of the skill that Carlisle United play, because we're not that good. We have good seasons, we have bad seasons. It's not there for the skill. It's because their dad took them. It's and men and boys, there. isn't it? It's Absolutely, and it's the emotional connection, yeah, and it's yeah. the story and the narrative. Yeah. Like Alison said, it's not about, so it's not about, oh, it's not skilled enough. And, and have you ever anyway. watched women's football? I was also, have you seen the lionesses? Skilled, Absolutely. Yeah. I know, because our national women's football team are better than the men's national football team, right? Yeah, quite a lot better. Do you think that um, American or US-based female athletes get more airtime across the board than British female athletes? No, I don't. I don't think they... No, I mean, the, the... the traditional American sports are very male, obviously, and then you've got this whole cheerleader subculture that's developed around it. And so a lot of the, the reason that things like women's football and women's rugby have grown up in the collegiate system in America, it's because there are a lot of women who want to play sport and aren't really welcomed by American football. Um, so but that you have you have your superstar, you know, obviously the Williams sisters, all the same people that we cover and the, and the great athletes, but you, but week in, week out, day in, day out. I don't, I don't think they're any better fed than we well, are. Like the WNBA... I think gets I, they're still not paid as much as the men, but it, it gets sort of mainstream. They're 
that they get sponsorship. Yeah, yeah. They actually have second jobs. Really? Okay. Because they don't, if they make it a career, they have really good sponsors or they're really good. But it's, um, if they're like second team or just not starters, yeah, a lot of them have second jobs. So I'm living in a fantasy land of where somewhere around the world (laughs) women have this wonderful existence that they don't have. Okay, take it back. So let's, we're going to talk to all of you a little bit about your careers, but Kate, I wanted to talk to you about, that's a great point there about having the second jobs, because I know about the women's hockey team, when you were training, you all had second, third, fourth, fifth jobs, didn't you? What was it like? Yeah, so it's it's kind of ebbed and flowed over the years. So I've been in the national team for 17 years, and when 2004, we failed to qualify for Athens Olympic Games, and we lost as an association, 70% of our funding because we're government funded. So if there's a, a change of government or a change of policy, we're at the mercy of, we're all at the mercy of the government anyway, but um, we are in particular. And um, and so, yeah, we have, to, we have to work. And so there's been lots of times when we've had to work. One, we need to, to earn money to live. Otherwise, it's actually good to get a bit of a balance. So all of us, because it could end any day, you could get an injury and never play again. So we are kind of encouraged to, either study or, you know, train up or get a little bit of expertise in some areas. So I've tried all sorts, uh, marketing and PR and sales, and I'm rubbish at them all. Um, but I, yeah, it's it's about just having also that bit of balance. But it's it makes you be very driven, very organised, and um, but it's hard. You basically half-arse everything. You half-arse training and you half-arse work because you're never fully mentally engaged in either and and you and you can't you can't compete with with nations that are training full time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And do you think this is something that's going to change in British culture? Because I think kind of post twenty twelve, we all suddenly were like, oh, maybe I we think, could be better at no, this. No, I think absolutely. I think after twenty twelve, there was a real feeling, wasn't there, that women's sport this was the yeah. kind of this was a moment in time. But I think if you look back realistically, logically, and intellectually, it's you aren't going to change the world in two weeks. And we threw up great superstars who are amazing and they've inspired a lot of people. But you you can't change things like that. Things have to grow. And a lot of the people who rushed into uh, athletics clubs, the athletics clubs weren't prepared for them because they didn't have enough coaches and they didn't have enough kit. It's a a bigger thing. You have to come down a stage, I think. People are always saying to me, you need to put more women in the paper, you need to put more women in the paper. And I, I think we probably do. But women also need to read that and then and need to engage with it. And also, it it won't change things. The change needs to come lower down. There needs to be a two-pronged attack, really. And you, and you need to have girls in junior schools wanting to do sport. You need to have yeah. girls growing up thinking sport's important. You have, Otherwise, it won't change. I always wondered, these really, you know, these, especially football, there is so much money in these football teams, so much money. Why are the male football, or why is the male version of the sport not investing in the female side? Like, to me, it just makes no sense for it to be separate they've got all the kit they've got all the knowledge why are they why is that not happening because i'm just like that's a no-brainer right you're making all this money you get all these sponsorship deals a percentage of that should be put into the female version of the sport yeah. it's well they're, well they're trying to be independent they do get money um from the but they, they obviously they're all trying to operate independently and to be a to be a, a separate sport and it's i mean they could be wholly funded by the men's game but that makes them vulnerable somehow to, and, and kind of then just patronised by the men's mm. game it's a, it's, a, mm. it's, a, it's a difficult thing what they want to be is, is sustaining and self-financing they want when the team runs out at Nottingham, Nottingham Forest or Manchester City wherever they want it full of women watching mm. them and engaging with them they want loads of girls coming down and playing and they want that to generate in itself in an ideal world yeah. and you could argue that if you put the money in it gives them a chance to grow yeah. 
um, and some money's going in, but I think it needs to come from them. The sport needs to grow up organically, really. It starts with getting them playing, I think, and getting yeah. more girls playing football, um, enjoying sport, thinking that it's right for them, having better experiences of PE, sport, games at yeah, school, yeah, yeah, so yeah. that they feel this is a place for them, that they belong, and whether they want to watch, play, volunteer, be officials, referees, whatever that it is somewhere they feel at yeah. home in. And so it starts really young. Yeah. I think it's also the intent. If it's, um, you know, here's a bit of money, you know, buy yourself some nice darling kind of thing, you know, <laughs> yeah. like make a little team, have fun. Yeah. Or if it's actually saying to the sponsor, okay, you're going to put invest this amount of money into the club, therefore we're going to split this, this, this way. And we're going to, your sponsorship money, whoever your big company is, is going to fund this for the men, this for the women. And it's, I just think it's, it's using that money in a, in a better, more empowering way. Well, young girls, absolutely, because you need to be able to see it to be it. But also, if young boy to see it, that is normal. Yeah, yeah. Like, yes. I just feel like the male sport should be investing in that because you know that is the future of sports. That's where it's going. Like you know, I don't feel it should be like a little pity pot, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but it should be like as part of our. You know, there's been an imbalance for so long. Let's now work at rectifying that and look at how we fast track the rise of. Like female and um, sports people. Is but it about we're not making the business case for it. It's about yes. saying, actually, if we could fast track this women's game to the level that the men's game is at, you double your profits. Yeah. So, so yes, in terms of business case, but equally, we need to be, be around the table. So yeah. I say from a leadership perspective, if we're not there making the decisions mm-hmm. to then influence, well, when that deal is happening, this is, this is just the result. Without even having to do that business case piece, then it's going to take a lot longer. Mm-hmm. And I, I wonder what, you know, what is the process to support women coming up as leaders in, mm-hmm. in the industry? Well, I, I just wanted to make this one really interesting example, which is the boat race. Mm-hmm. That took one woman, Helena Morrissey, um, heading up, uh, you know, very senior position, heading up BNY Mellon, yeah. basically said the condition for us sponsoring the boat race is that the men and women are equal. Yeah. They both race on the same course. They both get the same money. Mm-hmm. For the men, I think at the time, that was a small increase in funding. For the women, my old boat club, that was about a tenfold increase in funding. Mm-hmm. And it just took that someone to put their foot down and say, no, mm-hmm. this is just wrong. The sponsor, isn't it, actually? Because they yeah. have a lot of yeah. power. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. And so I guess where that had led me, and sorry, this is just a point I want to make, was you end up in this chicken and egg. Mm-hmm. Until someone invests to get the coverage, do women, do young girls see the female sports role models that they want to go and watch, they want to be, they want to support? Because two weeks every four years for me is not really enough. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you then end up with this, the in, you know, those investing to put that on are saying, well, no one wants to watch this. There's no there's no demand. Show me the demand and then we'll put the money in it's to do this. It's a merit conversation as well, isn't it? Oh, you should get there on merit and you should work. Then it's like, no. <laughs> but, <laughs> I need say, who's, but who's... So, I think someone has to stand up and say it's going to be my responsibility. So if we were changing this conversation to business, I would say it's down to you know the women leading industry, women leading industry to to change and, and, and do the things they need to do. And you know there's women in sport and all of these bodies, but who is standing up and saying right, money always money talks. Yeah. And in exactly the example that you've got, this is what we're going to do, and yeah. you will then operate in this way regardless. Where does that happen? Okay. The, so the change is to. Um, governance codes and so if you're a gov- national governing body of sport to continue getting um, public funding to the national lottery um, you are not you now have to subscribe to certain levels of governance which includes having and I can't remember the quite number it's not 50 percent 30, 30 yeah, yeah and and that is a big change and they will be working through that you have to have 30 percent women on your boards or if you are and a couple of them are more female dominant then it has to be 30 percent men to increase that diversity 
eventually that will help you start to make a difference, but it's just a start. And I don't think it's a quick fix mm -hmm. because they're not yet there yet. We've just launched this, so it's going to take a time. But you're right. We have to be around the table and we have to be saying this isn't right. Mm -hmm. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. So as women in the kind of sporting industry, um, did you feel, particularly Kate and Alison, when you were starting out, did you feel like, hang on, I'm the only woman around the table. Should I be here? How do I make myself felt? How do I make myself heard? What was it like kind of being the only one there yeah um well i i started i after graduating i went to a local newspaper and worked um in this in this on the sports desk there and always really wanted to write for the times and the times was just all, all the national papers just full of men and the only way to do it then in these kind of pre-mobile phone pre-internet days was to fa send a fax so i used to send faxes off all the time with and i mean the rest of got sick to death of me with ideas oh i've got a great idea for this fax them all off and never heard anything and I thought, and, and of course you think my ideas are rubbish, yeah. I'm pointless, what is, I'm never going to make it anywhere, but kept doing it. And I spoke to a friend of mine who was a, a features editor of The Telegraph at the time, we're going back to the sort of early 90s now, and she said, I bet they're not responding because it says Alison Curlin, they won't want a woman to write. But, and yeah. I thought, whoa, okay. I don't think she's right. I think yeah. it's because my ideas are rubbish, because yeah. obviously we all do that. <laughs> um, but I'll try faxing with just a curving. So I did loads of ideas similar to the ones I'd sent, Fax them all, loads of faxes, all the A curve in, and I got loads of phone calls. And so the guys, and then, then of course, you've got to cope with the fact that he rings up and says, Can I speak to A curve, please? Oh, yeah, speaking. <laughs> no, no, A curve, you sent in the ideas about the rugby. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's me. But then you've got them on the phone and you know they like your idea. 
and that's a different that's a strength mm-hmm. position so then you yeah. sort of from there persuade them to use it but and subsequently these these guys who were sports editors at the time have become friends and they say said they wouldn't have responded to a fax from a woman so I did the right thing but it just involves sort of side set you say you know how you kind of this is where you want to get and this is where you are and in this sort of rugby analogy you've got like a whole pile of big ugly props there are you going to try and run at them or just go around them you know I could have rung up and said I know you're being sexist I know but that wouldn't have got me yeah but just you just go around them would you do that now do that I'd probably ring up and say why aren't you what is wrong with this idea can we talk can I come and talk to you can you explain to me why my ideas aren't working I've sent you 30 and you haven't responded to any of them and I'm just I would just like five minutes of your time so that we don't waste each other's time but back then you don't have the confidence to do that so you have to work out so we have we have some trainee journalists in the room so so it's thinking about yeah basically how how do you approach a situation like that now because it definitely definitely still happens yeah you yeah I mean it it is better because there are women Mm -hmm. But when I used to go on rugby tours when I first started, I would literally be the only woman on them. There wasn't even a female physio or a female, you know, you'd just be the, which it sounds wonderful, doesn't it? But it really wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't as great as it sounds because you're just, you know, you, you're cautious all the time about when you should go. We're having a pool party. You think, oh, I can't go there because I will end up in the pool, won't I? It's the only woman. So you avoid, you know, you're kind of playing a kind of game of chess in your head all the time about where you can and can't go. Um, but now you go on tours and there are lots of women around. It's a different environment and a lot of the wives mm. will go and families yeah. will go and stuff. So it's changed a lot. Kate, you've obviously had, I mean, a massive success with this girl fan. And I, like, personally, I have to say thank you because I think, not, I don't think you changed my life. I honestly think you saved my life because you oh. made me take up oh. exercise. So <laughs> I, and, and it absolutely did. What was it like to be part of something like that? Um, Amazing and incredible, and I yeah I feel truly um, blessed to have been there when we were talking about it at the first stages. How did it? How did it start? What was the first? Do you remember what? Happened? Yeah, I do. I remember a conversation between me and my then director Tanya Joseph. She dragged me to the side room and said, "Kate, we've been looking at the data, and there's this big gender gap. That whatever we do, we just there's a whole group, and at the time, it was highest, it was two million women who were just not getting playing sport. They're not being active. Mm. Um, I think we need to do a marketing campaign. And I was like, we'll never do that. Sport England will never do that. Um, and then we worked away at it. So between me, um, her, and our chief executive, Jenny Price, so three women, three strong women as well, worked away and did the sort of the the, the selling in to um, our government department, Department for Culture and Media. So how did the conversation? You could say we want women, we want yeah, and wobbly and yeah. And so when we got to that stage, we went to our insight. So we looked, we talked to the women, um, and said, "What is stopping you from taking part?" And they talked about a fear of judgment, and they talked about not feeling confident because they didn't look like the sort of women who we normally see in sports marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, who, you know, are sculpted and beautiful and amazing and fantastic bodies. And it's not that I'm knocking those bodies. Yeah. It's just that there's other ways of being a woman who's active as well. Yeah. And we just didn't see it. So it's easy then to say, well, it's not for people like me because I don't look like that and I will never be like that no matter how much I do because that's just not me. Yeah. And so it was from there really, but it was insight data and actually having those women and knowing what we, that we knew what we were talking about. So when we then went out and talked to particularly men in our industry and said, well, these are the barriers, this is what's stopping women getting involved. And they said, oh, really? Oh, for heaven's sake, that's ridiculous to say, no, you may think that, mm-hmm. but this is true. Mm-hmm. So we could argue back. And that's what made the difference. Mm-hmm. Who here went and did some form of exercise after having seen one of those adverts? Like... Pretty much every time I saw it, I was like, oh, I must go and let's go work out. Like, there was a new one. Some, someone's on the sofa and she's like, oh, and then she gets up and she goes running. Is, is that this girl? Yeah, it is. That yeah. one just 
Oh, I'm like, oh, I'm going to have to go running. Yeah. That was Alice, who yeah. yeah, was in the first campaign as well. Yeah. And to be featured in the first, and then we wanted to bring her back in the second campaign because um, to show, because she, in the last two years, between the two, had fallen out of exercise. She was getting back into it. She's getting married, which is her reason for going out there and trying to get active again. And um, and that's quite normal for a lot of people in that we don't all start and stay in the squad for 17 years. I wish I could. Um, I suspect even for you, it probably wasn't as straight aligned as it sounds now. And there's days where, or periods of time where you just can't be bothered or life gets in the way. And so that's really normal. So normalising that was really important. So yeah, but it's, it's, it was exactly, that's exactly what happens. You yeah. sit down on the sofa, the sit down turns into a lay down. In your head, you're like, I must go running. I must go running. And then it turns into a sort of a demonic kind of chant call. This is what happens to me anyway. And then I saw that ad and I was like, oh, uh, you know you'll feel better 99.9% yeah. yeah. of the time you will feel better yeah. once you've done it it's just that bit of getting started yeah. in that first 10 minutes of a run yes. where you just want to yeah. die yeah. and then all of a sudden it kicks in yeah. but yeah how did, you, how did you that that to me having worked in the design and advertising industry and I feel like advertising advertising is really responsible for culture mm. and can play a massive role in change and this girl can was absolutely groundbreaking and step changing for that so I see that as a client being really really brave with their creative work mm. that doesn't happen very often do you did you feel like that was a really brave move or did you have to push for that or was it actually came naturally because it came out of the data I'm always wondering about clients driving their agencies mm -hmm. to be braver mm -hmm. with you know this kind of creative we told them to scare us and they mm -hmm. did okay. and we said okay well maybe not that and then we sort of <laughs> back in a bit that involved the lily allen song um oh. that is on radio is thank you but not that <laughs> oh, really, i don't think we can do that but um but, uh, it's oh, so there's a whole other campaign that i'd love to yeah. one day. Yeah. but um yeah so they scared us and we really developed it with them together but we yet yeah, started with the insight they had reams and reams of even through the pitch process all the agency shortlist had to go through reams and reams of data we really make them work hard to win the account and then work with them closely but yet got them to challenge us because this was a big radical thing for yeah. sport england to yeah. do to be honest yeah um and still is sometimes so yeah we needed them to make us do it yeah. so who is the agency fcb inferno and um, was it a team of women that brought the it was a woman yeah and that's what i was going to say and i'd yeah. forgotten um yeah so yeah pretty, actually the two creatives who devised this girl can were men um but pretty much everyone else is female in our um director kim gerig just a genius um worked on both films as well and, and made both of them happen and did the street casting thing mm -hmm. and got extraordinary performances out of um everyday women who weren't actresses and weren't models but i just had to be themselves which is much harder mm -hmm. than it sounds mm -hmm. um but yeah i go into meetings now where if we have one or two men it's unusual um and i just take that for granted now that's my normality and i went to a meeting really recently where there was only two or three of us women and about eight men forgotten what it's like so we had this like 10 minutes of football banter which wasn't informed conversation it was just ooh, <laughs> um, but, but yeah um and all of that before we could then get to and they and i've forgotten how much they dominate the conversation yeah. and i just switched off really because like, i can't be bothered with this it's just willy waving <laughs> <laughs> So we're going to come to you, ladies, in a minute for some questions. So start thinking of what they are now. But um, before we do, KRW, I just wanted to ask you, finally, um, we obviously had 17 years for the national team. We had this amazing triumph in Rio. What's been the hardest bit of your career? Um, oh, there's been many. Um, I think the standout hardest moment was two years before Rio. So we're at the World Cup with the England team. And we were hoping to win a medal. We've gone as medal contenders. We were ranked kind of third, fourth, fifth in the world. So possible. Um, 
but internally things were creaking and cracking and uh, not going as well as it may have seen on the outside and we ended up playing off for uh, last place 11th 12th which is a long way away from the medals mm -hmm. and um and I found that whole period really challenging personally just asking myself you know about my values because when you've been in something if you've worked for somewhere for a long time or if you've been involved with something it becomes you and so I started asking myself you know who am I what do I want you know what are my values is this what I stand for am I what have I been wrong all this time and I mentally really went through a really dark patch and um, started to see a therapist and that really really helped me but that was absolutely my lowest point and um you know every cloud has a silver lining yeah. you know I don't know if if Rio would have happened had we not as a squad gone through that because all of the all of the staff all of the girls went through it as well um but it, it certainly was a dark period for for me personally yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's kind of amazing that, that you talk about the squad and I know that when you guys went to Rio you like you made this decision you were like it's just the squad yeah so there were no outsiders you turned off social media is yeah. that right like it was just about you guys how long was that for yeah that was a that was a big decision. <laughs> We're trying to get a, a group, any group, to agree on something, but a group of women <laughs> to agree is, is interesting. And we had a, a brilliant meeting with a social media expert came in and said kind of do's and don'ts for social media. And then our coach, Danny Kerry, who's just incredible, he he would have probably have loved to have taken all our phones away and said no. Um, but he, he just knew he could not do that. And so he, he said, look, the best way to create a platform for yourself, girls, is to win a gold medal. And he left the room uh, <laughs> and then and left us to talk about it. And it was a brilliant conversation because some of the girls were very open and said, look, I don't want to play hockey anymore. I want to, you know, maybe go into TV afterwards. This is my chance to get a platform and social media is a great way to do that. Brilliant, open, you know, challenging, conflicting conversation very open we couldn't come to an agreement as a, as a group so we had about a week away from each other and had small conversations and then had a final meeting and it was uh, unanimous that we said okay from a certain date we're going to all say final tweet and we're going to and it had an amazing effect on us as a group because we actually put our phones down mm -hmm. and talked to each other which was nice and um but also it, it sent a message out to all the other teams say okay the British squad are here and they are taking this really seriously they are off social media they have gone into lockdown and and it really helped us i think created a nice bit of momentum for us what was it like when you realized you'd won <sighs> don't maybe <laughs> 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 oh it was every emotion you know there's two years before but all of the years before the the women that we represented who weren't selected who we would not have been there without those women and all of the staff, all of the hours that they put in and all the hockey family that, you know, just do everything most involuntarily who support us. Um, it's all of that emotion. And I think it's the fastest I've ever sprinted in my life <laughs> to Holly Webb to go and celebrate. Um, and just, you can see in my face, I'm like laughing, crying. There's all sorts going on. It's all coming out in one big emotion. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, ladies, questions. Who would like to have the first question? And just FYI, we always do this and then we get to like five minutes before the end. There's a massive queue, so get them in now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, lady over here. Uh, we're going to send a mic to you, fellas. I was really interested. You said that the key is to getting young girls involved in sport. And personally, I think the key is keeping young girls engaged in sport, especially when you get to university and like, it's not the focus for many people anymore. And I think part of that probably comes down to what you're saying about role models. And, you know, we don't have the same allegiance with sort of football. Wayne Mooney is off that. And I was wondering, I'll put this to Kate, but everybody, how do we create that 
um, role model system within team sports because in like, we all know Jess Ennis, we all know Serena Williams, but in team sports that hasn't really happened. Mm. And like how influential has been a gold medal for say like Sam going into the jungle? Like is is that the key? Like winning gold and and really being really successful in that way. I think for a sport like hockey, you know that the Olympics is your shot window. You know that in order to get some kind of media attention, I think it's important to listen to the, to the media outlets, I think, and, um, and learn from that. So I think what we talked about before, about getting around the table with companies, with, with sports organisations and um, national governing bodies, we also need um, media outlets there as well mm. to say, OK, you know, what can we do to make sure that we can get a, a weekly, you know, stories, role models, get a, an interest. Mm. And so hockey in 2019, the international governing body have started a home and away league from 2019. So every week, I think, don't quote me, there'll be an international game on TV. So there will be, you can, you know, look at Luciana Aymar's, the new Luciana Aymar's of Argentinian hockey and the new March Palmans of the Dutch hockey. And you can really see from week to week, oh, no, you know, she was injured last week. Will she play this week? You can you can start to create that drama around it. And I think Netball have done a really good job with the Super League. And it's, again, on TV. Most weeks you can switch on and watch a high-level netball game. And I think it's then just combining sponsorship, the media, um, and the international governing bodies and the local governing bodies together to make sure we all work cohesively to make sure it is out there as often as possible because I think you do need to be able to see it to, to have those role models for sure. And then, and as well, that makes the most of the Olympics because what tends to happen is you win gold and in that moment, we all know all your names, but then mm. a lot yeah, retire and yeah. a lot disappear, mm-hmm. certainly for four years. Yeah. But if in the build-up to it, you're wondering, like with the British Lions uh, selection, all the way, the last sort of six weeks mm-hmm. of the season, mm-hmm. all you were watching was, is how's Sexton going to play? Will he be selected? How is so-and-so? So it builds it all up yeah. for the tour and it would then build yeah. it up for the Olympics. By the time the Olympics starts, mm. everyone knows the names of all the players and everyone's on top of the, yeah. of the whole story. Yeah. But it also needs to be normal for teenage girls and students and yeah. to go out there and play it as well. So they yes. can, in you know, the same way that boys pretend to be Wayne, they can pretend to be Kate, they can pretend yeah, to be yeah. out there, they can imagine what it's like, they can pretend to be Serena, whoever it is. That's not team sport, is it? But yeah, whatever it is. So they're doing it as well themselves and yeah. playing with yeah. it, Actually, I there's think. A, it's a very funny story. A friend of mine um, who played women's rugby for England used to, had a baby and took the baby to training and the baby would watch them all, and then grew up and, you know, became a toddler and was still watching all the women's rugby. And then one day was at home, aged about four or five, and suddenly my friend heard all this hysterical laughter from the front room. She ran in and she was pointing to her, men play rugby, men play rugby, <laughs> in hysterics, because she'd not seen that. She'd grown up with this and seeing women. So it is sort of about yeah. being, what, what's normal is what you see, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Love that. Uh, questions? Um, do you agree that uh, the prize money for Wimbledon should be equal, given that men play more sets? Mm. Great question. What do you think? I, I do certainly. Yeah, yeah I think, I'm, and I get a bit fed up with this whole how many sets they play, and in golf, or they don't tee off at the same place because that's just an artificial mm. thing that was put in for no yeah. good reason years ago. And so to judge them against that, actually, three tets, tes, three set tennis is very difficult, isn't it? Because if you lose the first set. Mm. Yeah. You're right. You're on the back foot. Now, yeah. I, I play tennis, and when we play mixed games, we play three sets, and the men all say, "Oh God, this is so hard." Because if you go down a set, then all panic sets in, and you lose that second set. It's all over. So I think, I, I think absolutely, yeah. Why do you think we still talk about it? Like, do you think we just haven't made the argument clearly enough for it, or 
I think well, I think it's based on the fact that the men's game does attract more people. Yeah. You know, more tickets are sold for the men's games. Yeah. The TV audience go through the roof for the men's game, and then this kind of five set argument. They're 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 yeah. out there for hours and hours and hours. Yeah. Um, and it's mm. part of the of our culture, isn't it, that men get paid more for this than women? Yeah, absolutely. I think most of the tour. I think most of the male tour is three sets, I yeah. think, and it's mm. the Grand Slams that I think yeah. are yeah. five sets. Yeah. yeah, so I just say make it all three sets and just just go for it. Yeah. <laughs> Kate, what do you think? Is it culturally that we just pay men more and we just think... Well, gender pay gap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag gender pay gap. It's, um, yeah, so I think we just, we're kind of used to that as a concept, really. So I think we're pushing against probably a bigger cultural, wider than sport thing, but... Um, I, I find I find it so hard to understand any rational argument that pushes mm. back against it that it's really hard to understand why it would still exist in twenty seventeen for heaven's sake. So my 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 thing is: are, are they poor? Is it, do you not? Is it that you don't have the money because yeah. you could produce the men's money <laughs> yeah. and then give it to like, yeah, yeah, that, right. and it's not that. Their yeah, exactly. It's not that you're poor. It's not that you're broke. Yeah. It's not that as a sponsor you don't have that money, so therefore just pay everyone the same. Yeah, and I also think, like, when we look at, we go back to football, we look at men's football and we look at what the England national team, you know, the men's team is not that great. The women's team did really, really well. Mm. And the highest paid player on the England women's football team earns 65000 a year. Wayne Rooney earns three hundred grand a week, mm. right? So if somebody wants to pay some women a bit extra in tennis and that evens it out a bit, I'm good with that. And it's the same tournament, isn't it? The Wimbledon yeah. is that it's all about the men's and the women's games yeah. existing side by side. Yeah. Well, the women's national, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, US soccer team went on strike they recently and took to the federation. Legal action, they? Yeah, because they are much bigger and much more prolific and much more well known than the and men's. And attract more advertising, don't yeah. they? Yeah. They and yet they were getting paid ridiculously less, and so they had to take legal action. Is that right? Yeah. So what I will say is, um, in terms of getting girls and keeping them in it a little bit longer. The U.S. does do that a little bit better in terms of scholarships for university and things like that. Mm -hmm. And that's what's got the WNBA a lot more attention because the NCAA got women's basketball um, massively into the, like the bracket tournaments and everything that's such a big deal. Um, but I also just, someone that inspired me growing up in America because volleyball was really big for me was like the Carrie Walsh's or, and um, so I just kind of wanted to hear your thoughts on a lot of the pushback that women get for having kids and having to stop their career or ending or them having to push it back a little bit further. So I just wanted to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, I don't have children um, and I would have had to have I would have had to have stopped playing. And the, as I said, we, we have a government national lottery grant, which is amazing. Um, but there is no there's no maternity pay. So if you if you start you'd be out of the program and you and you'd be no no funding, pregnant, trying to find mm. a job. Yeah. I you know just in that hideous impossible situation. And um, I do think it's it's something that we can we need to talk about and modernise. I mean particularly in in Olympic sports that are government funded, but also I mean I don't know in in all sports I think it's the, it's the same. It's kind of was what as one girl that we've played in the, in the GB team, Scottish girl Vicky Bunce, and she has a, a young boy that she had to leave him. She's Scottish, and she had to leave him every week and come down and train every week. It breaks my heart, but you know there was no funding to support her move of her family down there, and how important that is that support network to have that family. Um, you ha and you and you basically have to make a choice: Am I going to concentrate on my sports career? Or am I going to have a 
and family. Yeah, it's and it's much, like you said, no yeah. one talks about it. Yeah. And they either can't have the kids or they have them. And when they try to come back, it's um, you're either looked at like you're amazing for being able to come back <laughs> yeah. or you just don't. And it's like Joe Pavey, wasn't it? Because the absolute superhero because she came down mm-hmm. with that oh. I remember a poster in the sun of uh, mm-hmm. Jess Ennis Hill um, mm-hmm. before Rio where the sun helpelfully pointed out all the bits where her body had changed oh. since she'd had oh, a baby. God, and I was like, oh, that's really yeah. good. Yeah. Just in case Jess herself wasn't aware. And it's just, and okay, I get it. I mean, I get the physical challenge of getting your body back to that level of performance after it's done this most amazing other thing as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is really interesting. I find that a really fascinating story and a really in- inspiring story in many ways. But just the way it was told, there was something mm. not very nice about but it. When, when I, I interviewed Jess just after she'd, in Rio, after she'd um, won silver medal and was talking to her about her comeback and how it was managed. And it reminds me very much of your coach and the way her coach just, just went away and decided to learn about pregnancy and the impact it had on the body. And she said, she said I'm sure he could have delivered babies by the end of it. <laughs> and she said, he, you know, he was aware of the fact that all oh, the, the muscles had relaxed and they were more likely to be injured. Mm-hmm. And he knew about when, and he tra- charted her this really intricate training plan, which was day by day and week by week, you know, by day four, you can start to do this by day six. And he really invested time in it and worked with her. And you probably need a bit of that at that level, don't you, to to come back like she did. I think what's really interesting about that is it's actually going, hang on, all the training plans we've got kind of have been based on men's bodies. Yeah, and this is different now. Yeah, it's different now. This is my thing about having women around the table. So firstly, women around the table that can lobby to say there should be maternity pay. These You're professionals. You Mm. You have a career. And in any other career you would have some kind of structured maternity. So that's in there. But coaches and trainers understand what happens to the body during all, all parts of, of our life. And, you know, because it, is it relaxing that's released in, into the joints? Mm. You, you need to train in a different way. And having that built in, but if we're not around the table, being able to demand or just say that this is the way things are going to be, that's not going to change. I think one of the things that I really valued about my school was they didn't separate out girls and boys sports. So the girls and the boys played netball together and nice. we were amazing. So we would trounce these boys who thought, well, they never thought they, was God, they were God's gifts in our school. But, um, you know, we, we played together for until you know, we left and went to sixth form. So there wasn't a separation. I, we separated on, on, on some things, but we could compete against each other in athletics. And it just, for me, in terms of sport and ability, we never really saw a distinction because there were girls that would beat boys. And what sort of age were you talking about? So this was all the way through, all the oh. way through school. We, we never separated. Oh, the, the boys could play against other schools um, and the girls went off and played at other schools. But when we did sports in our own school and in our own space, we played together and we, we played as mixed teams. And where there were leagues where we could play mixed, we played mixed. So I'm trying to think how I would have felt about yes, that I being a tubby, shy, gawky, geeky, <laughs> not particularly comfortable in their own skin teenager I hated netball because I had I was tall for my age and had glasses so they made me goalkeeper but then took my glasses off so they were <laughs> so just basically I just said there were balls were thrown at me and was possibly in retrospect being bullied but um but to then have to do that with the boys as well I would have just in the fact when the when it rained we had to do it with the boys and I hated it because I was so yeah. rubbish basically so yeah but I like the approach because if that was normal we didn't know mm. any different and it is again it's one of the things that I value is is girls um all the way through our schooling 
I would almost say we were more aggressive than the boys. So there was never a feeling of um, feelings, not inferior, but we always thought, you know, it's, it's down to whichever team wins, we can take them. That was always what we thought in school. We can take them. I'll uh, say more about you. You had some fantastic game teachers. Fantastic game teachers. Yeah, my PE teacher is one of the best people in my life ever. Miss Timmy, I shout her out all the time. I did. I had to write a thing. Who inspires? Who inspired you growing up? And Miss Timmy, our PE teacher, it it was her because she was no bullshit. But then you sounds like growing up thinking about this is what this is my body. This is what my body can do. And it's not what my body looks like. It's what my body can do. And for me, that's when 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 we get it right with girls, teenage girls particularly, the sport and activity. That's the big change goes on in their head and it changes everything I think it goes way beyond sport and active it goes way beyond being physically healthy it changes your confidence levels but it was Miss Timmy that told us we can take them yeah. <laughs> I love Miss Timmy be more Miss Timmy <laughs> so obviously like role models are created through media portrayal as an athlete and as a journalist what because obviously still in the media there is a lot of sexism in the way that women athletes are portrayed whose responsibility do you think it is to change the way that the media responds to female athletes and how do you propose that should be done that's to me yeah yeah and to kate it's no it's 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 a very it's very it's a very difficult situation what happens is obviously a newspaper is a commercial product it's trying to sell as many copies as possibly can and unlike the internet you've got limited pages so when you're talking about we should do a big feature about hockey what you're saying is take something else out. And if the editor genuinely believes... Well, we get a, an uplift of 200,000 copies when it's the Premier League weekend. There's a huge commercial imperative for us to cover the Premier League, every goal, every sec. You know, it's it's huge for readers, and that goes across all the newspapers. So that takes up a huge... Show. That's why you see so much Premier League, because that's what drives people to buy it. And then what you do with the rest of it is you make these kind of editorial decisions that in some ways are quite hard to justify, but what you're trying to do is create the absolute... What you, I sit there and think, when they go to a cafe tomorrow morning and pick up the mail on Sunday, what do they want to read? And we do women's... We cover women's sport, but what happens is you've got a measure of how many people read it because it goes online, and there are big um, screens in the office and it will flash up that Zinedan uh, feature, 20 million hits, Jess Ennis, four hits. So what can what, what I would always, well, always say is just... Get on that. Read these. When there's, where there's women's coverage, read it and engage with it. Get out to women's sports events because when we cover events, and then the journalists will ring up and say, "There's only about seven people watching." It, it's very hard to justify. You're always trying to justify why you're putting that in rather than something which is attracting forty thousand people down the road. So it's. I think it, there's. I think women need to get out there and support. You know, I don't know where's your local women's football team. Do you know who it is? Do you know who the captain is? Have you been down there? Probably not for most people in the room. And yet you're expecting a national newspaper to cover it. And I think that's that's a difficult expectation to have. Women need to be much more engaged in women's sports. Aren't we in this brutal. cycle of women don't see the role models? Women don't. Well, not even women actually. Men, men as well. In terms yeah. of you know, no one's seeing this sports gender-based yeah. sports coverage. So you aren't going to stop it. You aren't going to change it at the top. You aren't going to encourage. You aren't going to get newspapers to cover loads of women's sports that no one's interested in. You have to demonstrate interest. You are. That is going to have to be the way. Is because it's not happening, and it's very hard. And every time I I did, we're doing. I was explaining doing a big feature with the captains of the England women's cricket team, football team, and rugby team, and we'll do a big spread on it. And I'm having such a hard time for devoting all that space to it and putting all this work into getting them all together and doing it all. And yet no one will read it. No one will click on it. No one will talk about it. Won't, no one will engage with it. And it'll be, and I'll be 
you know, people will say, what on earth have you done that for? But isn't that also because it's not the norm? So that one time, and mm. I think it's going to be amazing, and and I, I hope I will read it and I will enjoy reading it. But it'll be that one time. So mm. I'm not used to opening it and seeing every week a, sto- a story about Steph Houghton or Heather Knight or um, any of these people. So therefore, it will never change. And I, I do, I think we do have to push it more mm. to, in order to. Okay, I will, I will click through. Oh, there is another piece on. There's an athletics uh, meet in Manchester this weekend. I didn't know that. Who's competing? You know, it will yeah. become a bit more normal. Do you, and also, that, it's like the I Wonder think, Woman film. Everyone yeah. was putting so much pressure on that to do well, and if it didn't do well, and it's like there's a lot of pressure. So it's like mm. I can see your point from a commercial sense. Yeah. So we'll do a feature on women's sport, but no one will watch it. Also, we're done. It's a bit like doing the Wonder Woman film and going, we'll have a woman as a lead, but oh, no one's watched it. So we won't mm. bother doing those again. And then you're yeah. in this like, and you, and you get, yeah, because no advertiser will want to advertise on it. Yeah. Um, I also meant in terms of the language use because obviously, like when men win a sport, mm. if, for example, the Wimbledon, if a me- when the men wins the tournament, it's always a this person won the tournament. But if it's a female, it's always there's always like a luckily, you know, ex- excelled in her sport in comparison to the other females. It's never like they've won based on their merit, or there's always some other factor like. So, for example, Sharapova, it would be more about her the way she looks rather than her actual ability. And I think that's reflected quite a lot in the media. Um, yeah. Do you think that's different? Do you think that language is different in sport than other areas of the media? Definitely, Cause think, yeah. Because when I look at features, generally they annoy me because mm-hmm. the women are talked about differently. Like you talk about the Wonder Woman film. I think it's, I think it's, it's, a, it's a cultural problem. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's yeah. a it's a language issue. So from an editorial Cross. perspective, do you think that's more because of what will engage the reader or because of what's the norm and what's always been done? Well, I'm not, I mean, I have to say I'm not aware... When I think about the women's features we've done recently, when we've done match reports or interviews, and obviously, you know, as a, as a woman involved, I'm much more conscious of these things. And often I'll see... The thing I hate is there'll be a feature... Oh, we'll, we're doing a feature on you and then I'll say can you get me out the pit all the pictures of her and then he'll say this is a nice one and he'll be like no, not that you do this but there were some of them where they've got been asked to dress up at some stage in the past and they'll be like hooker shoes on a little skirt yeah. and going, I would like this image with them to be a sporting image so we can see a woman in sports clothes I don't want to you you know so I'm really conscious of that but with the language used it's the same people same reporters doing it and I think that's probably how they write about women I'm not I'm never conscious of there being there, there is um, I work for women in sport and there yeah. is a massive disparity in the way that men and women are portrayed in the media so men are always attributed to be really strong and athletic yeah. and you know they yeah. win on their own merits whereas women are more like oh she did this despite having a kid despite you know yeah. being this high or whatever it's always like they've overcome controversy overcome yeah. rather than yeah. having just being purely yeah. skilled yeah. I'm going to come to this lady down here because she's had her hand up very patiently mm-hmm. for a few minutes. Yes. Um, it's just kind of coming, like what we're saying about um, women um, being portrayed in the medium and whether people read it as much or are as interested. I work for a sports magazine that only features women mm. in a company. of. Um, it's called Cooler, Cooler Lifestyle. It was an adventure sports magazine, but now we're widening to all sport. Um and we get just as many views on our articles as the men's magazines. So maybe it's more about just giving women that space to find those articles, which are maybe, maybe it's kind of what we were saying at the very beginning, and maybe away from the men's stories. Uh, maybe, maybe that separation is a good thing. That's really interesting. When I, um, so prior to doing this, I ran 
a section for the Guardian called Women in Leadership, and it was about women and work. And everyone had this, we had this big discussion about whether or not we could call it women or whether we should, you know, call it something that was not to do with women at all, right? Like, give it some kind of apprentice team name, like Balance or Aspire or something. Um, and I was like, no, no, I want to call it Women in Leadership because I want to tell women that this is for women. This is for them. And I do think that's a really good point. There's something about inviting people in and saying, no, this is for you and we're making it so. Uh, the final question right up yeah, at the back there. I was just going to add to that point, really. I think it's really interesting you say about generating interest, and I don't think that's the case. I think Olympic years show that interest is so, so present. I think it's about guiding interest, like you're saying, because I sit on a train every morning and I look at the metro, and to get through 10 pages of an intricate board before I even see a woman's name mentioned. And I just, I, I don't do it every day because it like, frustrates me so much. and so. And the same like sports women's sky doing so much for women and they've got this um, show called sports women but it's just not accessible for everyone and i think it's much more a case of guiding that interest and saying this is where you come to get your sports news as opposed to oh you have to flip through pages of men or you have to wait right until the end of the sports bulletin to see if there's a woman there and it's like that's when i feel like i know we've cracked it if i open a paper and i read about man city's women's team having played against birmingham and I read about the tactics, the um, yeah, yeah. the phases of the game, you know, the spells of play, the substitutions that made the difference. That, like I would read about the, the, the men's game, rather than I think like what mm. we're saying, you, more the the stories. You mm. know, oh, you know they've they've had to train on this crappy pitch and wear these terrible mm -hmm. shirts. And you know, I think Liverpool had the team had to borrow some of the shirts and wear them inside out. The women's team because they didn't have shirts. Like you know, it's all about that kind of thing rather than I just want to read about the sport. I want to read about the the skill <coughs> level and the technique and the tactics and all that stuff. I want to know that mm. just as much as I do when I um, watch men's football or men's basketball or NFL. It's, it's interesting when you're saying have, you're talking about like having a space for for women's sport because the debate always is whether you have a women's page, yeah. and which I don't. Yeah. I just I just feel then as if then you've really just said this is just women. The rest of it is all. What you want it to do is fight for its place. Mm. You want people to think that this gender hazard feature is just as good as this mm -hmm. other feature. Um, but newspapers play with it from time to time and have a wins page. And I always think, oh, I mean, I just feel so instinctively that that's a kind of the, the wrong way to go. One of the most debates ever had at the Guardian was like a good two-hour meeting about whether or not we could have a women's editor. Um, and I think we have the job title, but there's nobody in it. So <laughs> that's where we got to the compromise. And I just, I think if you don't, if you look at the stats, if you look at who is reading... If you do not tell women repeatedly this is for you, they assume it is not for them. Mm. And I just think that's nap. So two, I think two points. So one is I think there's something of obviously mainstream and getting mainstream attention is great, but I think we have the the tools now to create content in mm, whatever yeah. way suits and works for us. Yeah. So again, in terms from a leadership perspective, we should try and engage and, and and do more of that. But when it does make it into the mainstream, so something like your feature. Why, you know, give us a hashtag, let us push it out there so we know it's coming. And before that, that lands, we're set, we're pushing it out there. That's mm -hmm. the reason we went to see Wonder Woman because it was hashtagged to, yeah, yeah, to you know, to the ends yeah, of the yeah, earth. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, go and watch this and see yeah. what it's all about. And I think that's what we almost need to do to balance what we're doing, building our own movement with the mainstream engagement. Because then once you then start to have the data, data is just so important, the yeah. data and what people are doing and how they're behaving. Mm. That then gives you the business case, yeah, gives does. everyone else the yeah. business case mm. to um, to progress and to move forward. But I think it's a journalism problem too. We, we've spoken about this before. 
when you talk when we write about uh, women in in business again it's the sub story that comes before and then she triumphs and now she has a business worth x amount of million or just anything and I said that's also almost part of the shift of what we need to make why do we always have to triumph over something to just be brilliant because we're just bloody brilliant anyway and men don't have to have all of that backstory to just say and now he's doing this so actually I disagree because I, I want to see the men's backstory I want to see the men's backstory I like the story I like people I want to know about the people and I want to give men the space to say actually I had this moment where I screwed up too we could go on about this all night. <laughs> but, and we will. But we're going to take it outside and have it with some drinks. Um, so we always like to kind of end this session by asking our panel for one thing they think that you guys could do to be more badass in your lives. The one thing they like to do to be a bit more badass in their lives. Um, so we're going to start down the end. Emma Sexton. Oh, you go me first. <laughs> What's my take out from the panel? I think it's... Um, I think it's like being a bit more of a champion. It's like, it's, I think it's leveraging the girl gang, the girl mm. gang that you know to like create the change you want to see. That's what I'm going to do a bit more, your whole hashtag thing. Mm. Yeah. Leverage your girl gang. Mm. I'm going to say let's, ha let's hashtag it out. So let us know when that feature comes out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, top, this isn't the only feature we've ever done. Yeah. We, we yeah. do yeah. talk every week. <laughs> it's just yeah. when we're talking about it because yeah. I'm doing it tomorrow. Yeah, so, yeah. Oh, it's tomorrow, okay. But then it'll go in the paper in two weeks before the first game of the Women's Cricket World Cup. Okay, so so the Women's Cricket World Cup, Women's Rugby World Cup, and the Euros in Women's Football this year. So it's a, and Women's Lacrosse. World women's Lacrosse. So let's hashtag it out. Let's let's tell people that this is going on and, and just get people talking about it. I'm gonna be hashtagging you constantly every time we have yeah. a women's story in the paper. Oh, God, lots of things about being badass. You've, um, I've given you a snapshot of what I was like as a teenager and the anxiety that maybe I've had in my life possibly have come on from that. So I've developed a new map recently to help me cope with anxiety and stuff, which is I choose to dance, which is I'm just bored of feeling rubbish about things and bored of worrying about what if, what if, what if, yeah. what if the ball hits me in the face because I can't see it coming. Yeah. So I choose to dance, I choose to play netball without glasses, whatever it is, and I'm just going to get out there and do it again. Um, I'm going to tell you a story which is quite badass and really quite naughty and I don't advocate anyone, all the young journalists in here, I don't advocate this but when I kind of got myself to the talking to the Times, one of the ideas I had was I was working on the Slough Observer and it was 1990 and England were about to play Scotland in a rugby match which would decide the Grand Slam, you're probably too young to remember this but it was a really big occasion and the England rugby team, their doctor, I discovered, was Scottish and lived in Slough. And I thought, isn't that an, that's an interesting dynamic, isn't it? His heart's in Scotland, but he's repairing the England. Are you tempted to not repair them properly? So they go. And I thought, oh, it'd be great to talk to him. So the story I actually got through, when I got through to the Times with my A-curving thing, um, I pitched this idea and they said, yeah, that sounds good. So I rang up the doctor. There was no way to reach him other than ringing the doctor's surgery because you couldn't tweet and all the rest of it back then. So I rang up the doctor's surgery and said, could I speak to him? I was a, a journalist. Once, and she went, you're a journalist. You know he's a rugby doctor. And I said, yeah. She said, and are you ringing for somebody else? I said, no, no, it's for me. She said, oh, I'll ask him and get back to you. Of course, she didn't get back to me. So many hours later, I phoned back and said, you know, explained what it was. And she said, no, 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 he's not interested. He's not going to talk to you because you're not a proper journalist. And it was very clear from the implication that I couldn't be a journalist because I was female. So I came off the phone. And then you had this decision, don't you? Do you go back to the Times and say, oh, I can't do it after all? Or do you kind of circum... Uh, navigate this problem and so what I decided to do was I wasn't registered with a doctor and this woman had actually this woman had said to me I go off shift in at half an hour anyway so I thought oh right so I thought I know what I'm going to do so I rang up and said could I register with a doctor yeah, is there any doctor in particular I went oh maybe this um, Dr Ben Gilfeather maybe him you know? and then I said and can I see him this afternoon he said, what, what do you want to see him about so I said 
I've hurt my knee. <laughs> so to my shame, I went to this doctor's surgery, hobbling in with my injured knee and said, oh, I need to see. And she said, I'll take a seat. And I was called and it was upstairs. And because I'd hobbled, about three people got up to help me up the stairs. <laughs> so I had to go, oh, thank you so much. You so much. And then I went into this surgery and then I thought, I've got to be straight with him now. I can't, you know, go through this ridiculous charade any longer. So I said to him, I'm so sorry. This is absolutely mortifying, but I've been asked by the Times to do a feature about you and I can't seem to get through to you. So I, I, there's nothing wrong with me. I've invented this injury and I'm really sorry. I'm mortified, but I really want to talk to you. And he laughed and he said, I really admire your you know, I can't remember the word, your sort of, um, your approach, I'll meet you at five o'clock for coffee and do an interview. So I was delighted. And obviously I was only in there a few minutes. So when I went back down, all the same people were there. And I ran down the stairs. <laughs> and then my, and they, they just looked at me and I went, he's brilliant! <laughs> and left. And um, and went back at five and got this brilliant interview. And which went into, and that's how I got my, I went to work to the Times for 10 years and that was my breakthrough, didn't that? So <laughs> that was, it's, it's, it's very naughty, but it's very matter. bad. Yeah, so. <laughs> Brilliant, thank you. Yeah, I think mine would be um, just embrace your inner badass. So I hate conflict and I hate challenge. Um, it's my natural thing. I would bury my head in the sand and um, avoid it at all costs. But I learned over my career as, as being captain that is actually, it was so important that I challenged the coach or challenged the National Association and now challenge the European Hockey Federation or challenge the International Hockey Federation to say, OK, what are we doing about that? Why isn't there a female equivalent of that tournament? Can we talk to sponsors? Can I sit around the table when you're talking to sponsors? So embracing the challenge, embrace the conflict and, and be as informed as you, as you can be to have a really good conversation. And then hopefully we can move it forward. We will move it forward. Thank you. Um, so if you've been to one of these events before, you'll know that I always like to kind of end with three things that I'm going to take away from tonight. And so my first is, this is like, we've been doing this for over a year now. And this is probably the first panel that I think I've actually come quite close to tears on. Um, you were just all so inspiring and amazing and changing women's lives, actually. And I, and I mean it when I think, you know, we've, do have a real problem with how women view sport and exercise and it's so important for our own health that we change that and I think all of you just inspire that and make that possible so thank you um the second thing is that it is all a cycle and we all play a part in it so I would really say if you are sitting reading a paper and you've gone through 10 pages and there are no women mentioned I really enjoy emailing the editor and telling them that. Um, not just about not sport. Me, though. <laughs> <laughs> not just about sport. I do it on all things. I really enjoy it. <laughs> like, I'm on page 21 of news and there is no female journalist. Um, but, you know, say it, shout it. If you see a brilliant article, put it out there, tell people, go and support your local team, find a way of making it a priority because... If we do, if we all did a little bit of that, then there would be no argument. No sponsor could ever make an argument that it's not worth their money. You know, there would be no excuse for it. Um, and finally, and this is always where we end, I always think the most important thing that I take away from these sessions is the importance of gratitude and being able to have the time and space to learn from these brilliant women. Um, huge thank you to the W Hotel London for hosting us as ever. We're so lucky to be here. We're even luckier because there are drinks afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> a big round of applause for them. <laughs> um, a huge round of applause for our amazing panel. I just think they're incredible. And of course, a huge
huge round of applause for yourself for turning out in this horrendous weather. <laughs> if you want to keep the conversation going, do you can tweet us at Badass Women's Hour, HR at Badass Women's Hour, or on the hashtag BAWH, what she said. Come join us for drinks afterwards. We'll be here again, same time next month. Um, or please listen to the show. It's up every Sunday as a podcast. And we'll see you then. Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio. She'll get you talking. This has been the Badass Women's Hour live here at the W Hotel London with me, Harriet Minter and my co-host Emma Sexton and Natalie Campbell. We're here live every month so look out for the next one. Find us on Twitter at Badass Women's Hour, HR at Badass Women's Hour and we'll give you all the details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.